say goodbye to those uh, dog days. We'll say hello to the stretch run. We welcome you to not only the newest edition of the Baseball Elite Podcast, but we welcome you to the month of September. Kyle Alfrank and Ray Flowers getting set. And uh, Ray, we have arrived. Um, now is the time to make your run. Uh, now is the time to to move up as high as you can to manage the hell out of your squad and hopefully finish with a title at the end of this month. Yeah, it's uh, it's that time. And we had a bunch of questions in the chat room this morning. People looking to set lineups this week, people in the fantasy playoffs, all that kind of stuff. So uh, people are ready to to win those championships and hopefully we can lend them an assist in doing so. And it was uh, just a few days ago that you released the September rankings over at uh, fantasyguru.com. Uh, how difficult were those? Because <laughs> in the last 30 days, Ray, we've had a lot of guys who like two months ago were nowhere near your radar. Mm-hmm. Uh, now they're popping up and they're like everyday players, like a like a Frank Schwindel, who we're going to talk about later. <laughs> yeah, it, it, the rankings probably suck by now. It's been a week. <laughs> uh, it was it was difficult. Yeah. And, you know, we've we talked about it. You know, you're trying to balance so many factors you're trying to balance you know where the teams are at and what the playing time is going to look like you're trying to balance out you know hot guys in the second half that really don't have the skills versus guys that are slow but have the skills you know how how is the last 30 days going to go it's still not a very big sample size so it was difficult I spent a lot of time doing it and again hopefully it helps the listeners out uh did the best I could Yep, yep. And the best he can is usually the best you can find. I'll say that with the Oracle uh, Ray Flowers. Let's get to our starting nine for this edition of the podcast. We're going to start with uh, some of the September strategies, specifically when it comes to pitching. Um, So many of us are going to have the choice. Do I actually start this guy or bench this guy for this start? Ray and I are going to go through some of the strategies that you might want to contemplate when you make that decision. And the two holes, speaking of Frank Schwindel, we'll talk about those dog day heroes, guys like Schwindel and DJ Peters and Brian De La Cruz and others. They tore it up in August. Can they really do this for the month of September? Uh, in the three hole, 3,100, 30 home runs and 100 RBIs. There's some guys that might surprise you that they'll get to that point in 2021. Does it make these players actually good nowadays? 3,100 is big, but are these guys actually good? We'll talk about that in the three spot. In the four hole, we'll get you a player profile of the National League leader in RBIs. That's Jesus Aguilar. We'll check in on the SiriusXM host league, the waiver wire wins from yesterday. That'll be in the five spot. News and notes in the six hole. Highlights from Rob Pobia's weekly planner at seven. Random reference will hit eighth, and the stamp of approval will round things out. Ray, let's start at the top of the lineup. Let's start with September pitching strategies. And I thought of this because I went to our SiriusXM host league this morning, and I've had a good August, Ray. Mm-hmm. I've been moving up the charts. Um, And I was looking at, okay, where can I continue to improve? And one number that caught my eye was whip. And right in that league, I have a whip of 1.195. There's a 1.192, a 1.196, a 1.197, a 1.201, a 1.203. So that's like half the league. is within 0.01 <laughs> of each other in width. So I started looking at it. To me, there are other cats like Ray. I'd love to send my pitchers out there every day just to rack up wins, right. you know, and try to chase down that total. 
but now me, like so many others in Roto Leagues, uh, we're going to have to look at all the categories. And every time we make a pitching decision, we're going to have to understand, does it help us here? Does it hurt us there? Is the risk worth the reward? I thought we'd talk about some of the elements that go into that decision. And Ray, I'll start there with the categories. Um, are you looking at that stuff in all your leagues in September to where, you know, okay, the aces, you know, the, the Corbin Burns and, you know, the studs, you're going to play a Scherzer. He's going out there every time, but there's a lot of other guys where you really have to take a look at the matchup and kind of understand what a bad start could do to you versus what a good start could do to you. Yeah, and obviously if you're in a head-to-head setup, you have been doing that all season longer you should have been, right? Looking at your opponent, what are they going to do? In the Roto game, and I, and I went through this with someone in the chat room on the weekend, um, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And it was, you know, I, I and we got to the end and the user said, Viper, uh, Mike, said that, uh, oh, I see, I got it. Like, so we went through the process and, and we got to the end point, which was getting him to understand, well, look, I, I'm not looking at le- your league standings. Do you want to use a starter or a reliever? I don't know the answer to that. Let's go through it. And so we had to go through, you know, where are you at in strikeouts? What categories can you move up? You know, those kind of things. And I think once we hit September, it is time to look at the categories. And that might mean, you know, benching a better player, whether it's a hitter or a pitcher, right? It might mean be- benching a better pitcher or better, certainly for the week. It, it might be looking at a starting pitcher and saying, well, the matchup's a little dicey this week. Um, I don't want to have a guy give up six runs, like you're saying, and, and there goes my whip in my ERA for the week. And if we have that level of closeness in the league, maybe I should pull back and, and protect my ratios a little bit. If I'm looking at strikeouts and you know I'm 14 strikeouts behind this guy and 18 behind that one, well, maybe it's time to pile on. So yeah, I think you absolutely at this point in the season can kind of throw a lot of the overall analysis out and focus more on the minutia, which is the categories. Yeah, it's it's pretty wild because like in the whip thing, it's obviously so, so close in our league. Um, I'm actually topping that league in ERA. Um by 0.03. So I've got to pay attention to that. Um, now K's wise, I could use K's, I could use wins, but I'm finding myself right looking a lot more at those ratios and just kind of guessing. Okay. Right now, my whip for the season is 1.20. Is this particular pitcher a good bet to be under that or over that today? And, and that right now is how I'm going to play this in the month of September. And, and to answer that question, you know, that's the next step. Okay. What, what is the matchup? What do I need to be looking at? Um, at this point, you know, what we'll get in, you know, you were talking about your September rankings. There's a lot of quote unquote guys we've never heard of that are, that are now playing every day. There are some bad lineups that are being put out there every day. Um, looking at those lineups and actually understanding what these teams are sending out there is, is pretty critical. And even like who's hot and who's not for an entire team. Like as we sit here now, the Mets are finally starting to hit. And all they needed to do was piss off their fans, I guess. And then then they started. But I I think so many, it sounds silly, but now that we're into our final month, you got to look at the previous five days, obviously ballparks. You got to look at what the lineup's been doing lately. There's a lot of things that can go into these pretty critical decisions. Absolutely. And it's not, it's, it's not one thing like, Oh, it's the pitchers on the road or, Oh, he's facing this team. Or, oh, his last start was. It's, it's very complicated. And, and frankly, and we say this all the time, um, baseball is, is a game, fantasy game, where you have to do research. You have to spend time. If you're just going to throw it out there, more power to you. You can have success. You get a good team. You put a good group together. You can still win. 
But when you're not in first place, when you're trying to move up in the standings, you have to dig into the minutia. You have to, because there's so many moving parts here. You might even look at offense and say, oh, you know, this team's ranked fifth in offense. And you look at the last 14 days or 27th. Why? Because they lost their cleanup hitter. They lost their sixth hitter. There's seventh hitters in and out lineup. I mean, so even sometimes looking at the opponent numbers, if you're looking at a huge number all season versus the more recent number. So yeah, you, you've got to do research, you know, and that's really what it's all about. It's not just names at this point. You got to dig into the numbers and the data. And Ray, I, I was wondering, like, if you're trying to gain up an ERA and ERA and a whip, are you doing that with starting pitchers or with relievers? Like, I, I, I think all the good relievers are gobbled up by this point. You may still be able to stream some pitchers. Now, it depends on your league. Some leagues have pitching available. Others do not. And, and that is such a balancing act, too. It's like, how do I really want to go about this when I put together my lineup? Do I want to have more relievers than starters? Do I want to bench certain relievers because I don't like their matchups that week? Again, it's, it's like 10, 15, 50 things that you can look at when trying to manage here in the month of September. Yeah, I think that, you know, using the Series XM host league as an example, I mean, what is the average team here thrown? 1,300 innings? I don't know. I'm just looking at guessing here. And, you know, 1,200 innings, let's say 1,200 innings. How much is five, eight, nine innings of whip going to do? And the answer is it's not going to do anything. Yeah. Now, on a positive side, you have nine innings of a whip of, of 0.75. It's not doing anything. You have nine innings of a point of a 2.2. Maybe that does a little, but generally speaking, one starting pitcher or one reliever in one starting pitcher outing or, you know, three weeks of a reliever, they don't do much in the ratio categories. You need more than that. So when we're looking at 1200 innings pitched, if you're going to throw a reliever at this point and, and, you know, we got, let's say three weeks left in the season, right? He's going to throw what? Three innings a week tops. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're talking nine innings. It's one start. One, so if you really have to make up room in the ratio categories, I think you're almost forced to go pitching, but the problem starting pitching. But the problem with that is if you pick the wrong starting pitcher and he goes out there and he has four innings and it's one and a half, and then you go crap and you pivot to someone else and it's one point, you know, four, two and five innings for the next guy, you now have nine innings of a one, four, four, you know, whip where you could have just had nine innings of the reliever at 0.8. So it's it's a really difficult decision. But at this point, it's very difficult to make up ground. Like you mentioned, what, 0.01? Like you could make that up. Yeah. But if it's like, you know, if, you, if you're at 1.3 and someone else is the next guy's at 1.25, like that's really hard to do. And, and how this works, Ray, like the other day, uh, you know, I got Devin Williams in this league. And what was it against? Uh, was it San Francisco last Thursday? Yeah. His first Where- worst outing ever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it killed me. Yeah, yeah. Was, you know, he gave up the hits and the earned runs. It was it was murderous. Now he's still got a two seven ERA and a one two whip. Um, but right now it's it's like okay, well I'm gonna roll with him. But I'm looking at my team, Ray, and and maybe you should look at yours too, just to kind of give this a real life. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at my team in this league, and honestly, of the starting pitchers I have on this team, and I just lost Giolito to the IL. But Ray, of of my starting pitchers, the only guy where I'm literally there are two guys, I think. There are two guys here where I think I'm going to roll them out every time. Um, Corbin Burns and Marcus Stroman. The rest of my staff, Ray, I got like Ian Ander- Anderson coming off the injury. Um, Marco Gonzalez, James Caprillion, uh, Caprillion, I should say. Ronaldo Lopez, Tyler Molly. Um, 
Josiah Gray, Ryan Weathers. I may get Merrill Kelly back. I may get Ross Stripling back. Like all these guys, Ray. I I, I got two quote unquote sure things. Mm-hmm. And then I got seven, eight guys where every time they pitch this month, I'm going to have to make that decision of whether or not I start them. Do, do you have something similar to that? I have absolutely not uh, the case <laughs> like that. And the reason is that uh, my pitching staff just didn't work this year. So what I ended up doing was I ended up going getting a lot of relievers. Um, so like in, in the whip category, I'm second in the league in whip. And, you know, my, my team whips one, one, five, it's really good. And in ERA, um, I'm within, you know, five hundredths of the team ahead of me. So I could, I could easily go up a spot, right. I'm four tenths ahead of the next spot. So it's like, eh, you know, that maybe, maybe I could, I could either gain or lose a point in ERA, but that's about as far as it's going to go. So what I'm doing in this league, because of the way my staff has come down is I'm just starting everybody. Um, Chris Flexen, Carlos Hernandez, Tanner Houck, Mike Miner, Bailey Ober, Oscar Yanoa, Eric Lauer, John Means, Drew Rasmussen, Julio Urias. I'm, I'm just I'm just trying to pile up innings at this point. So ratios and, are and not Ray, a concern. You could, you know, I'm looking at your win total. You're at 59, right near the bottom because you have all relievers. Yep. Um, you can probably move up one spot in wins, right? Um, I, I don't think moving up to, I, I mean, you could, but I, I wouldn't count on it. Right. In terms of K's, Ray, you could maybe move up where you at here. Uh, two, towards, maybe one. Yeah, I mean, maybe I'm two. just kind of stuck. It's kind of baked in. Your pitching's kind of stuck where you are, aren't yeah, you? It's really baked in. And yeah. it's, you know, I mean, it's, it's unfortunate. You know, we had, we had guys get hurt. We had guys didn't perform, you know, it's just, it just didn't work. And so, you know, I, I've got some good, you know, I've got some guys that are effective pitchers on the staff now, but like, you know, Tanner Hawk has pitched really well this year. He's got no wins. Mm-hmm. You know, Bailey Ober's pitched really well this year, two wins. You know, it's so it's like even the guys that, uh, you know, I've pitched, they just haven't come through in the wins column. So end of the day, you know, it's cool. It's just, you know, there's not much I could do, but I'm doing the best thing I can do given my options. And even blanket statements um, that say, start this guy today or bench this guy today, they don't always work for a majority of us. So this is all very unique and individualized, uh, this decision. So understand that unless you're providing whomever you're talking to the full information, uh, that decision, it can go one of two ways. You play the guy or you bench the guy, but there's a lot that goes into that simple decision. Um, where do you stand in all these categories? Who are your other pitchers? You know, what is the matchup? What are the recent results? All these things as you talk about September and figuring out who to play and who to sit. Let's move to the two hole. And Ray, this kind of goes to the other side of the ledger. Um, talking about hitters, who I don't want to say they've come out of nowhere, but they had like all-star level months in August and none of them are all-stars, but they look like all-stars in the month of August. And I'm wondering about relying or at least counting on these guys as fantasy starters here in the month of September. I'm calling them uh, the dog day heroes. And my lead guy, Ray, has got to be Frank Schwindel of of the Cubs. I I don't think anybody, Ray, when Anthony Rizzo got traded, said that, oh, wow, wow, now we get to watch Frank Schwindel do things. And, And Frank Schwindel, Ray, in like the last month, has an OPS of just a shade under 1,200. He's hitting 380. Nine homers, 26 ribbies, 20 runs scored. The dude's got 37 hits in 98 at-bats. This guy is like the best first baseman in fantasy baseball for the last month, I think. 
I mean, it's absurd. I wrote about him today at Fantasy Guru. Um, you know, three straight games of the home run. His last 12 games, he's batting 380 with a 1200 OPS. Um, I don't even I don't even want to break him down and analyze him because I know if I do, I'm gonna say all kinds of bad things. Just let it roll. Like, yeah, just let it roll. <laughs> like it's just what's going on right now is just insane. It's just out of it's just absolutely out of control. And you know, what are you gonna do with that? Six home runs in seven games and you know, multiple RBI games seemingly every time out. It's been fantastic. You know, he's obviously added everywhere in the waiver wire by now after last week, if he wasn't added, you know, prior to that. Um, this is, you know, his performance is better than Anthony Rizzo ever was. That's how good he has been. And it just makes no sense. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and Ray, there's no like future here for those who don't know. I mean, he's almost 30. Yeah, I think at this point, um, he's, he's just filling it, having fun. You know, it's, it's not something that's going to last. What one thing Ray is, you know, you get Wrigley field, mm-hmm. you know, so you get to play at Wrigley field and you get to do some damage there. I was looking, um, at their schedule here in the month of September and, like for the next week, they're at home. Got a bunch of, they've been at home now for three or four days and they got another week of being at home. Um, they go to Philly, they go to Milwaukee, they're back home, they get Pittsburgh, they get St. Louis. Like he's got some good places to hit the baseball. And like I say, he's going to play every day, going to hit number two, going to hit number three. Those things are going to happen. You know, some other names that have popped up out of nowhere, Ray, DJ Peters is starting to make a name for himself with Texas. Anybody who picked up Nicky Lopez with Kansas City has gotten a load of stolen bases and batting average. Brian De La Cruz, who might have, I guess, he could, well, he's got at least a bit of prospect pedigree. Um, he's had a good run for Miami, too. And again, this Schwindel, Cubs suck. Uh, Lopez, Royals suck. DJ Peters, Rangers suck. De La Cruz, he's with a Marlins team that's awful. Like It's these guys on bad teams, and it happens every year. They come up and they just shine for like six, seven weeks, and they can actually help you win a title. Yeah, Nicky Lopez is a really good hitter who has taken a very long time to find his sea legs, if you will. He has no power. He's not a run producer. He's a limited guy. So, you know, he's basically, and I've, I've drawn this comparison you know, previously, he's basically in the Nick Madrigal zone. And, you know, a middle infielder who can steal 20 bases and hit 285, like there's value there. You know, it's limited because, again, we're not looking at a big power stroke. But the ability for Lopez to swipe bases, which is something we all expected him to do, and he never really did. And then all of a sudden, he started doing it finally, right? Um, he has been a very valuable performer. Um, I think in the case of, of Peters, I have much less positive things to say. Um, and the reason for that it, it is that, you know, he too is, he's not a failed prospect, but he's a prospect that lingered and lingered and lingered. And, and one of the biggest issues he had, and he's a huge dude, he's like 6'6", 230. He's had contact issues his whole career. And even with the success he's having right now, he's got a 35% strikeout rate and he's hitting 200. Like it's, I just, I look at him and and he has that approach that he could go hot for three weeks. He could, he could carry people for the next two weeks. And then in the final week of the season hit 110. He just, I really struggle to look at him and get excited um, about him. Uh, But he is rolling right now. And a lot of people need someone that's rolling. You know, one other name I'll throw out there, and it's certainly a known name, but there was a lot of talk preseason, Ray, about C.J. Crone. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people kind of bailed him, slow start, had an injury, and people have moved on. Um, he is another one of these guys in the last month that's just killing it. And, and if he is somehow still available, like the schedule is sweet for him this month. They got a lot of games at home. Now they face some tough pitching. Some of those are against L.A., some are against San Francisco. But again, they're at home. They got a four-game set in Philly. 
which is good. They have three games in Washington, good hitting ballpark. Uh, they closed the season down with three at Arizona, pretty good hitting ballpark. So like CJ Crone, it's, it's taken a while, Ray, but I think CJ Crone is finally, uh, I don't know if he's with any teams that still drafted him, you know, if yep. they've all moved on, but Crone is one of those guys who slowly, but surely has kind of finally gotten back to where we were hoping he'd get this year. My hands up, Kyle. He's on my team still. I kept yeah. him. Well, he's going to have 30 home runs yeah. this season. Yeah. I mean, in the second half, he has a thousand thirty OPS. He's hitting 300 and he's got 14 homers. And 44 RBIs in 44 games. He's been spectacular. And, you know, he, he, has, he has all the benefits that you mentioned there. Uh, it was an incredibly slow start. You know, you look up now and he's on pace to have the best season of his career. Yeah, he's going to have a plus 900. Like, he's yeah. exactly – it didn't go the way we thought it would, Ray, but he's kind of exactly what so yep. many of people like you and, and others predicted for Crone this year. Absolutely. And, you know – if you play in a head-to-head setup, he killed you, and now he's carrying you. If you played in a roto league and just kept playing him, he's like you said, he's been exactly what was expected. It was a very disappointing start, and there were dark there were dark hours with with CJ Crone. <laughs> but he he's come around, and he has been one of the the best hitters in the National League in the second half. There's no doubt about it. Well, he should get the 30 homers again. He's at 26. That would be the second time in his career, and this is year number eight that he has hit 30 homers. He has an outside shot at 100 ribbies. He would have to stay really hot for this month. He's at 79 right now, so it's not likely by any stretch. But, Ray, the possibility of a 30-100 season for C.J. Crone, that's really as good as you could expect. And that leads us to the three spot in the starting nine. I, I was thinking about C.J. Crone, and I was looking at some other guys, and it's like 30-100 used to mean superstardom. Mm-hmm. Like if, if you got a guy with 30 home runs and 100 ribbies, you had a, a very good fantasy player. But Ray, as we all know, things in 2021 are very differently, like different. Like Crone may actually get to 3,100. And I don't think anybody's going to say that's one of the best hitters in the National League. They're not. They used to say that, you know, 15, 20 years ago. They don't anymore. But Ray, there are still other guys. Like I, I'm going to mention some names and people are going to, what, really? Like Kyle Seeger is going to go 3,100. Um, Adam Duvall is going to go 3,100, uh, two guys in Tampa, Austin Meadows, Brandon Lout, like 3,100, but right. All those guys, they're, they're the new age of baseball. They're like a 220 hitter. If that going 3,100. So the question is like, are they really that good? I mean, the number says they are, but are the negatives maybe more outweighing the positives that they bring to the table? Well, it's interesting because I've had a long track record with these four guys this season because the people you know have asked tons of questions about them because there have been periods of times where they've sucked and it's not just hey should i bench this guy it's i'm gonna drop this guy i mean people were dropping uh brandon lau everywhere kyle seager was sitting around everywhere in july still available adam duvall Uh, i told the story here on this podcast i held adam duvall and held adam duvall and and i had like five injuries and i finally had to drop him and the next week he hit three home runs and it's been you know booyah time ever since i knew he was going to hit home runs it just i I couldn't hold anymore in my, in the setup. I had him, you know, Austin Meadows, I fought people all along with him. You know, they've wanted to drop him and take him out of the lineup. I mean, honestly, and someone asked me this on Twitter the other day, is Kyle Seager a top 10 third baseman next year? And the answer is absolutely hundred percent. No, <laughs> yeah, I don't even know if he's top 20. I mean, and I wrote about him this morning at fantasy guru. He's got 11 RBIs and four home runs in 10 games. And you mentioned, you know, he's 30, 90. He's already over that. He's hitting 213 with a 288 on base percentage. Like those are awful numbers. They're not bad. They're awful. And we're in an era where teams are apparently willing because all these guys, like you said, especially Duvall and Seager in particular, 
they're going to go up there and do what they're going to do, which is hit a home run, not produce base hits and not get on base. And the team say, fine, we're playing you 150 times. Okay. I mean, if that's, if that's the era of baseball we live in, these guys, if it was 30 years ago, when we were kids, these guys would be bench players. They wouldn't even be in the lineup. Teams would not stand for guys hitting like this. You know, there was like one guy in baseball, Dave Kingman. No one did this. So, I mean, are they, there's value there because they're not expensive on draft day other than Austin Meadows, you know, maybe Brandon Lau in some setups, right? Both those guys, the other two, no one paid for, so who cares, but they're, they're just limited, you know, and luckily the league hits 250. So the batting average doesn't hurt you as much, but you know, when you're hitting 235 and you're stealing four bases, it's just hard for me to get excited about you, Kyle. Well, and, and part of it, Ray, is where are you at on the career timeline? So well, but there were some of these guys, 3,100, and we're looking at them in 2022 and trying to guess, okay, what, what's their worth? You know, the career timeline, Ray, say Duvall and Seager are certainly on the back end. And Seager is a free agent. God knows where he's going to be. I bet he still ends up in Seattle, to tell you the truth. I don't think there's going to be much of a market for Kyle Seager. If he ends up somewhere else, he, he probably won't even have an everyday job, to tell you the truth, after a 3,100 season. Uh, Duvall, Ray's bounced around as is. You know, so I, I look at both those guys and I say, well, A, where are they going to be? And B, where are they at in their career? And, and I would argue they're both on the back end. Guys like Brandon Lau, Austin Meadows, still relatively young, um, much more ingrained, I think, in their lineups than guys like Seeger and Duvall are. And I think that's where it may come down to, you know, gauging guys who have big 2021s. So they put up traditional big numbers like the 30 homers, like the 100 ribbies. You can't make a blanket call on any of these guys. You'll have to look at each of them and, again, kind of answer those two questions. Um, are they still young? What's their role? Um, do they have a fixed gig? And I think, you know, if there's 15 of these guys going into next season, you know, it may be 10 of them you feel good about and five of them you want nothing to do with, even though they put up really the same kind of season. Yeah, guys like Duvall and Seeger really um... – they're not starters on upper division teams. They're really not, even though that, you know, Duval's playing most of the time now. You know what I'm saying? It's that they're, you know, if they're getting 500 at bats, you've got issues with your team. You know, they, they shouldn't be getting 500 at bats with the approach they have. You know, Lau and Meadows are younger. It's the Rays. They bench them in matchups and stuff anyway. You know, they do their thing there. And, and they are slightly more dynamic players overall. So, but yeah, the, the, these types, especially the case of Adam Duval. I mean, you know, Adam Duval has been released. He's been on waiver wires everywhere. He's been on major league waiver wires. I mean, you know, he, he is, he's, he's been demoted. He's sent, he was sent to the minors and he's the same guy he's always been, you know, it's just, let me play. I'll hit you 30 home runs. Right. Um, yeah. So th 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 these type of players, it really does come down to the playing time outlook because if they're not in the lineup every day, there's absolutely no use with them. Well, let's go to the cleanup spot of the starting nine. And Ray, it's another one of these kind of guys, although I doubt he gets to 3,100. He'll probably get to like 2,500. Um, and I misspoke earlier. I said that uh, our player profile was on Jesus Aguilar. And at the time I said leading the National League in ribbies. I checked that number yesterday. He was. Today, he's actually not, Ray. Because the man leading the National League in ribbies is Adam Duvall. Mm. So <laughs> this, this works perfectly. Duvall is the... NL leader in RBIs right now with 94 and Ray right behind him is Jesus Aguilar with 93. Um, and like I said, I don't think Aguilar is going to get the 30, uh, but he may be in this same boat as Duvall and Seager. It's like, this is a boring veteran who's on the back end of his career. Should I care about Aguilar? Now the difference Ray 
is we've got Jesus Aguilar with a much better average uh, than a guy like Corey Seager or a guy like Adam Duvall. And this isn't the first time he's ever done it. We should also throw out Ray. He's doing this with Miami. Mm -hmm. That that's damn impressive for a team that is going nowhere. They've had injuries at the top of their order all season. Um, They're no good. They play in a ballpark that kills offense. And yet Jesus Aguilar still having an all-star level year. Yeah. And you know, the, the deal with Aguilar is that he's a great draft day value, right? Because you know, he, he may have even been drafted in some leagues, right? Some mixed leagues, certainly. Um, and he's been pretty consistent, you know, first half OPS, 797, second half, 768. Now it's in the 700s, right? So this, there's not staying out here. He just blends in at first base. You know, he doesn't have 40 home run power, as you noted. He's not a 285 hitter. He drives and runs. Okay. I think the remarkable point that I see with his performance isn't that he's returned to being a run producer because he's, you know, he's always been a run producer. It's just whether is he getting, you know, 500 bats or is he getting 300? It's that run scored column, Kyle. Hmm. The dude has played 131 games and he has scored 27 times, 27 times when he didn't hit a home run. <laughs> You know, well, that's so, to blame the guys behind. Oh, I know. Jesus Aguilar. But I'm just saying it's remarkable. So that I mean, talk about a guy having one great number, the RBI total, and having his fantasy value really be in the toilet because of you know because of everything else. I mean, he's arbitration eligible one more time, so I I assume they'll want to bring him back there in Miami. But he he's also like Duvall and Seager that, that you know he could end up in a platoon scenario very easily depending upon the moves the team makes. Yeah. Um, one thing he's got going for him, right? 93 ribbies, 93 strikeouts. Yeah. Like how many guys have more RBIs than strikeouts in baseball? Um, I'm looking at some of these totals. Vlad Guerrero's got 98 ribbies to 96 Ks. Mention Aguilar, 93 to 93. The man who leads in baseball is Abreu, 103 ribbies, but he's got 125 Ks. Sal Perez, 143 Ks. There's not a lot of guys, Ray, who come close to Aguiar in terms of that. And I know it's not even a category that we look at, but it caught my eye. RBI is just strikeouts. Mm-hmm. Um, Manny Machado is another guy. He's got 89 ribbies, 91 strikeouts. Matt Olson is at 89 and 92. And then let's give a shout out to Nolan Arenado. Ray, he's got more RBIs than K's, 88 ribbies to 82 strikeouts. Yeah, and it's not a normal way to look at player production, but it is instructive because, you know, one thing that all those guys have in common is the ability to put the ball in play. It helps the RBI totals and also helps create a floor for the batting average. And, you know, in the case of Aguilar, he's in 261. So it's not, it's not great, but 261 is really different than 218 where the Kyle Seegers of the world are at. So that is something to take a look at because even if those guys can't produce a number that actually helps you in the batting average category, they're very unlikely to hurt you because they put the ball in play so frequently. You know, first base is pretty weak, Ray. Well, maybe I shouldn't say weak. First base is not a power position in terms of tons of talent. That was the storyline coming into the year. Um, You've got Vlad. He's going to be a first round pick next year. Um, Other than that, I don't see a first round pick here. Honestly. Um, I don't even know if we see a second or third round pick. Freddie Freeman's. Oh, yeah. Freddie Freeman. Sorry about it. Totally right. Freddie Freeman. How could I forget? Um, Maybe Max Muncy gets in the second round. I don't know. But nobody wants Max Muncy, no matter how good he is. Um, I wonder, Ray, Jesus Aguilar, is he going to be a a first base one? Is he going to be a top 12 guy going into next year? I mean, I I guess people are still going to want Goldschmidt, Alonzo, mm -hmm. and Walsh and 
I don't know, Ryan Mountcastle or something. Um, Gurriel, of course, maybe Mancini, but it's like Aguiar could be a top 12 first baseman going into next year. I don't know if you said the name Abreu, Alonzo. Um, I mean, you know, Reese Hoskins for some people, he's going to be coming back off injury, right? But yeah, it's kind of, it's not a changing of the guard, but Miguel Cabrera is no longer the guy. Carlos Santana started to finally slow down. Josh Bell's just a dude. Anthony Rizzo's slowing down. You know, Miguel Sano can't get out of his own way. Uh, Eric Hosmer is seemingly regressing after taking a step forward with the power. So a lot of the guys we looked at that were kind of in that, you know, 10 to 20 range are way closer to 20 now than they are to 10. So, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I think it's, I'm going to say at this point in time, no. I don't think Aguilar is going to be there, but it may not be as far off as you think. That's our four hole. Taking a look at Jesus Aguilar as he competes against Adam Duvall to be the RBI champ in the National League. Who predicted that? (laughs) I don't think anybody did. Uh, In the five hole, we'll talk waiver wires, which as Ray reminded us, he probably could have gotten Jesus Aguilar and Adam Duvall off the waiver wire at some point this year. Ray, uh, we, like so many others, into the final month here, and, and waiver wiring is very specific to each and everybody's league. Now, every week, you and I take a look at our SiriusXM host league. Um, we've been rather active. I spent a lot of money on guys who have not worked out. I, I got uh, Jaron Duran. That hasn't really worked out. I've been hunting some starting pitching uh, throughout the middle of the year, kind of searching for pitchers. It's been okay, but... It caused me to spend a lot of money, so I'm pretty low on funds. Some people have a lot of funds, and as I look at some of the waiver wins this week, it's like, you know, these guys aren't worth it, but people have money. They want to make sure they get somebody. So, like, Ranger Suarez goes for $105. Bucks. Um, Eduardo, or excuse me, Eugenio Suarez goes for $29. And then, Ray, you compare them to, like, the one dot. Like, you could get Rich Hill for a buck. You get Andrew Chafin for a buck. Um, I snag Nate Pearson for 3 bucks. Uh, Drew Rasmussen went to you for $7. So it's really hit or miss. And again, I don't know if anything happening on the waiver wire in that league is necessarily applicable to other leagues that the price tags on some of these guys could be dramatically different depending on your league. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. We have, you know, you're out of money. You know, Rick Campbell's got two bucks. Steve, wait, wait a second. Let me ask you something, Ray. And, And again, this goes to idiotic Kyle who should know this. I'm assuming, Ray, I can't get any more free agents in this league, right? I don't know the answer to that. I don't think, I think you have to have a $1 bid at least to get anybody off the waiver wire. My experience with the provider Archie Sports is that you have to have money to bid. Like the default is you have to have money to bid unless you have an open waiver period after the fab run. We don't have one, do we? We don't. So you might be out. I'd have to, I don't know the answer to that. Nate Pearson or bust, I guess, for me. Yeah, right. Uh, We'll see if we can figure that out as we're talking here. But yeah, I I don't think you're going to be able to. Should I worry about that? (laughs) I'm going to catch it now because. Are are you going to get to, how much money you got left? I got uh, $49 left. Oh, so you're fine. Because right now, Ray, you can pick and choose your two start weeks or your relievers, however you want to do it, and you can get them for five bucks or less. You should be rolling in it here in September. Yeah, on the offensive side, I picked up Nick Solak for $5. So that goes to what you're talking about, that range. And that's going to be the range I'm in to make moves as necessary here down the stretch. Um, and everyone's leagues are different. I, I did the, the fab article on Saturday, and it's so tough because, you know, you, you look at all these different sources, you try to figure out who's available. And in some leagues, you know, you know, Anthony Alford uh, goes for 58 bucks because he had a, a strong finish to the week. In other leagues, he doesn't get picked up, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's 
there's no need to spend $105 on a pitcher at this point, just because you have the money. I mean, you know, I get it, but um, yeah, it's, it, it's more about the players we're getting than it is about the money we're spending at this point of the season. What about uh, Rasmussen who you got? Mm-hmm. Got to take, I mean, it, he's, um, he's kind of been an open, well, not an opener. Cause he's going three, four, even five innings. I think uh, one of these starts with Tampa uh, was kind of a bullpen arm uh, when he was with Milwaukee and even when he got to Tampa, but I guess lately, Ray, they have been turning to him as a starter. Mm-hmm. What, what are you aiming for there? Some cheap wins or what's kind of the goal? Yeah. His last four outings have been starts. And the issue with him is that it seems like they're capping him at like 70 pitches. So Ray, why are you adding him? Well, because it's a daily change league. So, you know, if I can get four or five innings of good work, that's way more important to me than that reliever we were talking about earlier. That's going to throw two or three innings this week. So I'm hoping to play that game a little bit. Um, he, he's, he's shown a big arm, you know, he's his strikeout rate is over 10 per nine innings this season. Um, he does a, a, a really good job of, of keeping the ball out of the air. His fly ball rates 29%. So I'm hoping they l- let him go a little bit more so that he can at least throw five innings, get a chance for the victories. And I'm, I just playing the game of it's a daily change leg league. If I can get five innings, six strikeouts, and you know, he allows two runs and gets a win. I'm happy. You talked about my money. I had three bucks left going into last night. Um, Pearson was was a three dollar bid. I put in a lot of other bids for a buck in case I didn't get Pearson. And one of them was Andrew Chafin. The, the reason I didn't put him up maybe beyond Pearson Ray is, again, I only had three bucks, but I pretty well punted saves this year. I'm dead last and I'm going nowhere. Right. Like so Chafin, even if he gets saves, means nothing to me outside of whip and, and ERA. So he wasn't huge for me. Um, still he goes for a buck. Somebody got a possible steal. I'm wondering, cause we got to talk about Oakland's bullpen. What's going to happen here in September. Do you, do you think it could be chafing for like a month or is it going to be a lot of pick and choose and play the matchups for Bob Melvin? Great question. Yeah. And I, I wrote about this in the fab values week 24, um, because obviously we had to target the A's bullpen and, you know, my, my initial thought would have been, and Trevino is hurt and he's pitching, like he has diarrhea. I mean, it's just, you know, <laughs> straight up, it's awful, right? And, I, you know, it's just awful. He is done for the ninth inning short term. We'll see if he's got time to get back in. I mean, he's 10 runs in three innings. They just can't. He's awful. Now, the problem is Tony Romo, uh, Sergio Romo, excuse me, Tony Romo. Sergio Romo had been pitching really well this season. Started out slow and then went on a, like a three-month tear where he was really good. So he comes in the other day and, you know, gives up a home run and it's like, damn it. So now, now I think Chafin is the guy right now. Chafin has been really good since he joined the athletics. His, his whip is like 0.7. He's got almost a 10 to one strikeout to walk ratio. I think it's probably Chafin Romo right now in a mix and match based upon, you know, lefty righty stuff on the other side with Trevino in the third role. Uh, I don't think Chafin is the guy. I don't think Romo's, I don't think that there's a, you know, I think it's mix and match. And it's always possible Trevino gets back in there, but it's a mess right now. Yeah, Chafin uh, has allowed just two runs and 18 innings. That's 17 appearances for him. So, yeah, he has been the best reliever going. Not seen as, like, a guy with an arsenal of closer stuff. He's bounced around here. was with Chicago, of course, earlier this year. Started with Arizona. Now with Oakland. Uh, Their moves have not really worked out. That team is sliding. They had a rough weekend in Toronto. So, Looks like a fall without postseason baseball for the Oakland A's. Let's go to the six hole and hit on some news and notes. And speaking of uh, guys who may be injured and how they're going to be used, Ray, update on Clayton Kershaw, who we haven't seen the entire second half 
Remember when that injury happened? It's like, oh, he'll, he'll miss a start or two. Mm-hmm. Haven't seen him at all this second half. Uh, forearm issue, but he is scheduled for three innings at AAA on Tuesday. Here's the news there, Ray, because everybody's been holding on to Kershaw. But my gut tells me even when the dude's back, they're just going to build him up for October. I don't really know what kind of fantasy impact Clayton Kershaw can have even when he's activated, because I, I would bet it's two, three, four inning starts for him. Uh, they may skip starts. They may give seven, eight days between starts. It's really just to get them ready for the postseason, I think. Yeah, the report that I saw about Kershaw is he's going to throw an outing, what is it, Tuesday in the minors, and he's going to throw three innings. And if that goes well, they're going to promote him. Well, obviously, if they're promoting him, he's not throwing six innings in his first outing. Um, I think the goal would be to, for him to get three, maybe four innings, maybe. Um, I think it's very fair to look at Kershaw and think when he's activated, we're talking two outings under five innings pitched. So that would have to be a third outing before he's even eligible for a victory. So his fantasy value, I'm, I'm not going to say it's non-existent, but it's, it's not, I mean, we don't look at him as that. We don't can't look at him like he's Clayton Kershaw, right? You got to remove that and understand that this is a limited guy who's kind of in the Jurassic mode, really, you know, that's kind of the, the level of performance you should be expecting slash hoping for with Clayton Kershaw. And Dodgers lost another player. They've been losing guys all season. I know Ray as a Giants fan could care less. He probably revels in this, but I don't know. My calendar says September, Ray, but maybe it's June because AJ Pollock's probably done for the season. Hamstring injury. So I, it, he could be back in October, but I think he's probably out for September at this point. Yeah, I think his season's probably over. He might be back late, but by that point, are you going to have confidence in giving a guy a week of games when you haven't seen him for weeks? So it, it's, uh, it is odd, you know, Kyle's, track record of pointing out that he's you know never played in july that he broke that streak but then of course got hurt right after and it's yeah. it's too bad too because in the second half he was hitting 330 yeah he, he was had a 139 like pollock yeah he had a 139 weighted runs created plus like he was just he was pretty damn good um and now that means i guess that the dodgers will have to continue to start cody bellinger on a daily basis <laughs> which used to be just fine ray but now it's kind of a, a joke that he's starting every day with, so bad with so bad Couple of other injuries. Uh, Jonathan Loisiga with uh, the Yankees could miss all of September. They're like totally going to shut him down for ten days at least with the shoulder. So his, he's a question mark. And then Ray, we don't talk about it much, but Willie Adamas, who uh, he's not going to win the MVP. Don't get me wrong, but like he's maybe the best offensive player going for the Brewers this year. Um, quad injury, and he's on the IL. And the Brewers pretty well have a grip on the NL Central. I don't think the Reds or anybody is going to catch them. I don't know if they can catch. San Francisco um, at the top. In fact, pretty well, I would say they can't. But Willie Adamas, I would expect they take it pretty slow with him. I wouldn't expect to see him for at least a couple of weeks. Do you know, by the way, my Giants? Yes, my Giants. Um, lead baseball in terms of most days in first place this year. Um, 91 days they have been in first place by themselves. The next best team in baseball is the Dodgers with 17. Huh. That's like, is that amazing? That. Yeah. That's so amazing. nobody else. No, that can't be. Milwaukee's yep. been in first place longer. Nope, not they have not. Giants lead baseball. Oh. Wait, is this number one overall in Major League Baseball or in their division? In their division. Oh come on. Oh excuse me, with the record, Best I can't even read the graph with the record. Best okay. record in baseball. Okay, because I was going to say Milwaukee's been in first place for. Did I misspeak? Time. I apologize. Yeah, you, you said the the first place in the division or whatever. Okay. For- Sorry. Okay. Yes. Yes. Ray. 91 days. The giants have been the best team in baseball. They have. So um, what was the question again? I got, I got 
sidetracked. What were we saying, Kyle? I'm sorry. Oh, I was talking about Willie Adamas. Oh, yeah, yeah. Adamas. We're not going to see much of him in yeah. September. I don't we're, we're not. And uh, sorry, I got giants in my eyes. Um, it was Adam- a big weekend for you guys. I'll let you sell it. It was. It was, yeah. Uh, Adamas has been really good. Um, since he got to the Brewers, he's been excellent. And, uh, you know, he really has, and everyone's given him credit kind of for reinvigorating the team, right? Like they've really, you know, gone, come together around him. Um, this leg issue of his though, you know, the quad is, is it's been around for a while. They, they're they're going to have to shut him down. And I don't know if 10 days is enough mm-hmm. at this point. Right. So, um, you know, Adamus was added off waivers in most leagues, Right. So hopefully you've got something else up the middle. If not, you've, you have to make other plans um, because it's very possible that we're looking at multiple weeks here with that leg. It's similar to what the White Sox, I think, are going to do with Tim Anderson. I don't know how much of Tim Anderson we're going to see either um, in this month. Um, I think he'll be out there because they want to keep him as part of the team and everything. But, I, you know, he's kind of had a it's almost like a wear down injury with Tim Anderson, where the lower body's just kind of beat up after being out there pretty well every day as the leadoff hitter. So the White Sox could take it easy with him. Uh, that gets you set for news and notes. Let's go to the seven hole. Rob Povey, of course, his weekly planner is up. And I think the key takeaway, Ray, and, and this is something that we've kind of been addressing here within this very podcast, but we certainly brought it up all year. We have now reached the point, Ray, where like the unknowns with who's actually pitching are just increasing like crazy. Like I, I feel so bad for those in weekly leagues or even Rob putting this article together. Mm-hmm. Because honestly, Ray, you know, you put this, I think Rob puts this article out like Sunday afternoon, Sunday night, whatever it is. And, you know, he updates it throughout the week, which early in the season, he's probably not doing a ton of updating. But now it's like he's got to update that thing every four hours uh, because, you know, Tuesday pitching pairings are changing and then guys going to get skipped on Thursday. And right now it's the wild, wild west. You cannot look at pitching probables and feel good about any of this stuff anymore. Yeah, I was doing the fab article on Saturday morning and, uh, you know, I'm like Logan Allen. And then it's like, well. Logan Allen might make two starts, but Tristan McKenzie is back. So maybe it's one and Aaron Savali could return. So it might be zero. Like we went from <laughs> two to zero, right? And it's like, someone asked me a question in the chat room this morning about Shoya Tani, when are they pitching? And I, I had to spend like eight minutes. I was on Twitter. I was reading articles. No, no, like even the beat writers weren't saying when he was pitching next. So it's, um, it's a mess. And that Otani situation is notable this week, Ray, because yeah. I think they have a, do they have a five game week? The angels do. I think that's right. Yeah, they have a couple of days off. Yeah, and then they also play in an NL park. Mm-hmm. So there's no DH. So right. you kind of wonder, do they give them rest there? The Angels are going nowhere. Right. You know, do we really want to kill this guy in September? You know, they're, they're not doing anything there. Um, there's some thought, like you talk about the pitching pairings, like some thought he may pitch in San Diego. And then others saying, no, he's going to pitch in Houston. Well, then, you know, pitching against the Astros isn't necessarily a great thing. And then you have to compare it. Well, how many times is he going to hit? Like, again, it's been going on all year with Otani, but that's just another example of where we are with him and where we are with pitching now. It's totally unstable. Yeah, and I found an article from the OC Register that quoted Madden saying that he's going to pitch on six or seven days rest. So that means Friday or Saturday against Houston. According to that, now again, that's not definitive. Go to MLB.com and it's listed, you know, because it's not. It's TBA everywhere. But I, I, I think Otani pitches Saturday or Sunday, Friday or Saturday. Does he, you me. think he plays in the outfield for those NL games? The report that I read also suggested no, not much. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, that's – and that's the thing. Like you're saying, like it's just a lockdown, hey, throw him in there, right? But this week might be the one time where it just doesn't happen. 
Rob also makes mention uh, Baltimore. We don't think of Baltimore is really a good lineup, but they have eight games this week and all eight of them are at Camden Yards. So that may uh, float your boat, I think. Uh, a couple of names getting a mention there in Rob's article, Glenn Otto and Bryce Wilson. So again, right, it's September baseball. Um, mm-hmm. Glenn Otto's had a couple of starts. They've been, well, one was good. The other was okay. Uh, Bryce Wilson, we've seen before, but it's like, I think the the point to understand, yeah, all these guys could have a decent run, could show up. They could be the Frank Schwindel of September. I don't know. But Ray, they're totally unknown right now. Like Glenn Otto, okay, he's a prospect. He's looked pretty good in the first two, but we just don't know how he's going to pitch. He's he's a total wild card going down the stretch. Yeah, and I wrote about Wilson in my fab piece too. And look, he's got two starts. People need innings. Problem with that is he's thrown 14 innings and three starts. So he's not going deep. <laughs> you don't need games. bad innings. <laughs> yeah, he's allowed four home runs in, in the 14 innings. Only has nine strikeouts. So it's like, you know, I mean, 15% strikeout rate this year is terrible. So we're in that zone. It goes back to the discussion we were having earlier that the additions that you make are going to have to be reflective of where you're at in the standings because you're going to have to take risks if you're not in first or second or third and you're trying, you know, you're going to have to take risks and it's, it's about finding those correct risks. And that involves a lot of that work that we were talking about. There's a lot of digging that's going to need to be done in September. Time now to go to the eight spot in our starting nine here on the baseball elite podcast time for the random page. We go to baseballreference.com and just click that random page uh, tab and, and see what we end up with. Uh, Got to be 1980 to present so that Ray and I can at least say, oh, yeah, I remember watching that guy with my own eyes. Uh, we got a box score this time around. Early portion of 2002, this April 29th of 2002, Baltimore at Boston. Uh, what is this, like the 25th game of the year for Baltimore, 22nd game for Boston? Five to three there in late April. Uh, let's see. We got Rodrigo Lopez with the win. Uh, let's see. BJ Ryan showed up here. We got Frank Castillo, Tim Wakefield was working out of the bullpen might be more interesting to look at the hitters here. Um, and, and, you know, Baltimore was actually pretty good back in these days. Uh, but Ray, this lineup is totally unfascinating. It's like utterly boring. It's Melvin Mora, Chris Singleton, Jeff Conine, Jay Gibbons, Tony Batista, Marty Kudova, Mike Bordick and Geronimo Gill and Mike Moriarty. Yikes. They won that game five to three, but that lineup, I, I, I have very few memories, Ray, of anybody in that lineup. Well, Marty Cordova won Rookie of the Year. He did, yeah. Right. Jeff Conine won a World Series or Jeff two. Jeff Conine won a World Series. And um, 2004, Melvin Mora hit 340 with 27 home runs on 104 RBIs. It was top 20 in MVP voting. Um, if you remember Tony Batista, who has one of the most unique swings in baseball history, he talk about a guy who was playing baseball 20 years too early because <laughs> yeah. his style of game would, they would have loved him today. He never got on base, but he hit a home run. And if you don't remember Tony Batista, um, go look him up because that batting stance, who knows how in the world he ever came up with it or why any hitting coach ever let him do it. Um, but he had a unique stroke there and Kyle he had a six-year run there where he's basically a 3,000 guy we we're talking about that earlier today yeah that's fair that's fair now on the Boston side leading off for the Red Sox that night was Ricky Henderson and you know this will be a trivia question in future years name all of the teams that Ricky Henderson played for right Boston's probably going to be forgotten on that list Ray but he played 70 plus games back in 2002 that was his 24th year in baseball at the age of 43 with the Red Sox how are you that Good. I mean, Henderson's the greatest leader of hitter of all time, right? I don't think there's much dispute about that. 
And you're playing for nine teams? Like, <laughs> well, most of them came late. Yeah, I mean, one I mean, year. Two, two teams for a majority of his career. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, he played one year with Boston, the Dodgers, the Angels, the Mariners, the Blue Jays. He just um, kept going back to Oakland, didn't he? He, he did, yeah. And back and back. Uh, and obviously, just fantastic. I remember Shea Hildebrand, too, as kind of the uh, – when you missed out on the top tier of guys at the hot corner, he was the guy that you went to. Because he, you know, he was a consistent 300 type hitter that would hit you 15 home runs. Um, he was a guy that I remember using him some some here and there spots in the fantasy game, Kyle. Yeah, one of my first ever favorites, Carlos Baerga. Love Carlos Baerga when he was coming up when Cleveland was just starting the turnaround and was inking all those young guys to to long term deals. Baerga was my favorite of that group. That was the that was the Albert Bell, Sandy Alomar Jr. Uh, Bayerga was in there. Manny was in there. Viskel. Oh, that was fun stuff. Jim Tomey. Like that was fun. Stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. Bayerga. He was with the Red Sox in, in 2002. That is our random reference. A look back at a random box score between the Orioles and the Red Sox in 02. Ray will uh, conclude things in the nine spot. Of course, stamp of approval. What gets the thumbs up this week? Uh, this week. I'm going to say, because I haven't gone on a vacation. Uh, my last vacation was January of last year, going to Las Vegas for two days for the FSGA, which I don't you think. You got to hang out with Kyle Alfring for your last vacation? I did. That's the only reason it's memorable, Kyle. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, we, we did have fun going to the Tiki Bar, too, uh, Golden Tiki. But um, I haven't gone on a vacation forever. So I've been living vicariously through HETV's uh, House Hunters International. Um, those 30 minute shows where they always have two people that are you've been together for 10 years. They're in love. They're going to look at houses. One of them wants to live in the, in the, the fields on the mountain with three yeah. acres. And the other one wants to live in the city in a condo. So it, it's always, you can get beyond the obvious setup there. Um, I've been enjoying house hunters international Kyle, seeing the places that I wish I was traveling to right now. <laughs> I like that show as well. Um, it's a good way to waste away a dinner hour, you know, yep. just sit there. Exactly. Um, but you're totally right, Ray. It's always the farmland versus the interior of the city. The, the one thing that show has taught me is when it comes to bathrooms, America kicks everybody's ass. Oh, they're for sure. Just dominates. Yeah, that's true. And, and kitchens. Mm -hmm. Like even nice places over there, Ray, the, the bathrooms and kitchens are like, I've got a nicer kitchen than like great places in Paris. Yeah. And even I don't nice... have the Eiffel Tower out my window. That's true. And even I've the nice weed. places they have over there, the kitchen's like, what, 14 square feet? Like, it's tiny. <laughs> Which, hey, tiny. part of it is you don't need to cook. You can, you know, go five feet outside your yeah. house and, and you got a bakery and you stuff. Don't even, yeah, you don't even need a fridge. It's new food every day that's fresh. <laughs> yeah. uh, my stamp of approval um, is another thing they don't have in Europe. Uh, last Friday night, Ray, we did um, some kebabs on the grill. And afterwards, we've been reading a book lately to, to the little guy, Walter, and it's about... Um, you know, spending a weekend with your family, having a fun day. And at one point they grill in the book. And at the end of the grilling, they then do s'mores in the grill, you know, holding it over the charcoal and stuff. Uh, so Walter has never experienced the s'mores. So Friday night, Ray, I think I did s'mores for the first time in at least five years. Okay. I, I, I do s'mores like once every five years, I think, by law. I think that may change. It was a big hit, Ray. Huge hit. The graham cracker, the Hershey's, and the marshmallow melted uh, made for a fantastic Friday night for the little guy. And I got to say, it was damn good, too. Um, it was very tasty. I, I, I figure the sugar load mm -hmm. was a bit high 
But everything about it was a hit. It's like, man, this stuff, you know, you think it's just for campfires or old times sake, but I think it can hold its own almost with any snack out there right now. By the way, when you do your marshmallows solo, not when they're part of a s'more, do you do them black? Do you do them tan? Like how, how involved is the cooking process on the actual marshmallow? I usually go tan. Okay. If I can get it started with fire, I love that and get to blow it out. Okay, and that'll right. sometimes blacken it. It does. The other thing is I don't eat marshmallows. Are you a marshmallow guy? Uh, I mean, only if I'm only on the fire on the beach. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah, no. like Rice Krispies or something. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. Krispie treats. Yeah. At marshmallows is like, I think some people actually snack on them, don't they? They do. Yeah. I think that's true. Um, marshmallow. Marshmallow fluff too, right? People put that <laughs> oh, on stuff. That's, yeah. In yeah. the jar. Um, yeah. I think my issue with the s'mores is I, I've always, and I'm not a s'more aficionado. It's a sugar rush, Ray. It, well, it, I never seem to be able to melt the chocolate enough that you got to get a thin burn. Hershey's bar. Yeah. Cause it's like, the, you can see the marshmallow is starting to go and it's like, okay. And then the chocolate is still kind of, so I'm having a struggle timing things properly, I guess. Okay. That's fine. We'll let, we'll let it slide. Um, you know, the marshmallow now I'm thinking about it. It's just a, a weird item, isn't it? It's a very strange sugar, thing. water and gelatin. That's all we're talking yeah. about there. It's poofy. Poofy. I wonder when it started. Look at this. The first marshmallows were prepared. Let's see. It goes back as early as 2000 BC. What? Wow. Seriously. I would have thought that's like a 1940. Yeah. Creation. Wow. I had no idea. I mean, I doubt the marshmallows of 4,000 years ago were like our marshmallows. <laughs> Turns out there's a marshmallow plant, Ray. Oh, my gosh. I did not know this either. Yeah, I, I got a whole week to read up on this. I'll get back to you next week. Yeah, on the let podcast. us know. Jeez. See what's shaking. Uh, speaking of uh, the next week, Ray, where can the folks find you as we go through the upcoming seven days? I know you're going to, like everybody else, you're going to start covering a little football too as we're in game week. Yeah, absolutely. We're obviously still doing the, the baseball here, this podcast, the articles, all that. I'll be in the chat room. So we're not, not bailing on anyone with that. Um, but on the football side of things, yeah, uh, my big review, my weekly matchup piece, it's like 10, 12, 13,000 words. That'll be out this week on Wednesday. Um, it'll get better as the season goes along. Cause I didn't want to overload it with 2020 numbers, but that'll be out Wednesday. Uh, the baseball stuff is traditional here. Um, I'll be on the show with Jeff Manns on elite sports on Sirius XM fantasy sports radio on Wednesday, uh, with him from four to six, that show is on from four to six Monday through Friday. Again, I'm only on Wednesdays and then I'm with you Friday, Saturdays and Sundays, Kyle. And we're going to be talking a lot of football. And I know we have some new times that the listeners might want to know about. Yeah, Sunday night is three hours, nine to midnight over on Sirius XM. Uh, it's channel 87. So that'll recap the entire Sunday. That's kind of a big change, uh, nine to midnight, which means Ray, we'll have a quick turnaround every Monday to get this podcast together. So. We will. After our 15-hour day, we'll be up bright and early <laughs> the next morning talking the baseball. But fear not, we will get you all the baseball coverage that you need right here on the podcast. Want to thank Ray Flowers. Want to thank you for listening. We will see you next Monday. I uh, hope you're enjoying your holiday weekend. It's a long one, so make it count. Uh, we will see you next week right here at fantasyguru.com. 